0: My name is Rick Renner and I'm standing in one of the underground passageways under the state Agora in the ancient city of Smyrna in the Roman province of Asia. Today, it's the city of Izmir in Turkey, but formerly this was Smyrna. And where I'm standing is one of the passageways under the market and early historical records tell us that believers were dragged into this very spot where I am And they were tortured and some were even killed for their faith. The church in Smyrna really suffered terribly. They couldn't get jobs. Those who had jobs lost their jobs. The Jewish community was upset with the church because people were converting to Christianity. They were assailed by problems on every side. And Jesus knew that about the church. He understood they were suffering. He understood they had troubles. In fact, Jesus refers to this in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9. Jesus says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Jesus says, I know your tribulation. The Greek word thalipsis, and this word ellipsis always describes a very tight place to be under a heavy pressure situation, to be crushed. And by using this word, Jesus said to the church, I know about your situation. I know you feel crushed. I know you feel that you're in a really tight place. And they were. To think what good news that must have been for them to know that Jesus was aware of their plight. And Jesus also said, I know about your poverty. The word poverty is a Greek word which describes abject poverty. This is not just poor. This is a poverty of a level that is extreme. That's because they couldn't get work because they were Christians. But Jesus said, the fact is, you're rich. They may not have been rich financially, but they were rich in other ways. They were rich in their spiritual commitment. They were rich in their devotion, rich in their zeal, rich in their passion. They were rich in their fellowship with one another because they were suffering, they were clinging to one another. Riches can be measured in many ways besides finances. And even though the Church of Smyrna was suffering on many levels, spiritually, they were really rich. And that's what I wanna talk to
1: you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I've
0: been waiting for you. We're going to have a great program today. We're going to talk about Christ's message to Smyrna. And it's a subject that many Bible teachers don't want to touch because the church in Smyrna was suffering and Christ addresses the issue of suffering. And because we are people of faith, very many times we don't know how to deal with the issue of suffering. We're all the time believing for victory and that we're going to master our situation. And when we read verses about suffering often we don't know what to do with them. But when Christ spoke to the church in Smyrna, they were a suffering church. And by the way, the church in Smyrna is not the only church that suffered. Many people have suffered through 2,000 years of Christianity. And in fact, right now, the official statistics tell us more than 200 million Christians are persecuted every year. People are suffering for their faith all over the planet. And by the way, there's all kinds of suffering. You don't have to be persecuted to be suffered. Maybe you're suffering in your life because you've taken a position of faith. Maybe you're suffering because you refuse to do what your unsaved friends want you to do. Maybe you're suffering in your marriage. There's all kinds of suffering, but you're going to find comfort in Christ's words to the church in Smyrna. And that's where we're going to begin today. But first, I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Smyrna. It's a five-part series based on these programs. It comes with a marvelous study guide that has all the Greek words, the definitions, the points, the principles, very important questions for you to consider. It is just perfect for you to use in your own personal life to grow. Or if you're discipling somebody, I can't imagine a better tool. And people always have questions about suffering. This will help them. Or if you're in a Bible study group, I know this will address so many needs in that Bible study group. So I want to encourage you to order your copy today. We're also offering you my amazing book, and I call it amazing because it really amazes me. When I look at it, when I flip through the pages of it, it just stuns me that I wrote this book. And it is A Light in Darkness, Seven Messages to the Seven Churches. It's more than 800 pages filled with revelation information, insights, and it's not just text. Look at this. It has photo after photo after photo. The entire book is full color. It has photos, illustrations, graphics, historical documentation. It will literally walk you into the churches in Revelation chapter two and chapter three, including the church in Smyrna. This book deals extensively with the history of Smyrna, the first pastors of Smyrna, what happened to Polycarp, who was one of the great elders of Smyrna, Christ's message to Smyrna. It is just outstanding. Now, you're not going to read this whole book in one setting. I know that I wouldn't either. It's too big. But you will use it over and over and over. I believe you're constantly going to be going to yourself to pick this book up to say, I wonder what Rick had to say about this, because this book is filled with insights about life for believers. In the first century. So, order your copy today. And if you have a prayer request, please let us know. We're here for you. We believe in prayer. We understand what it means to need prayer because we often need prayer. And if you need prayer, we're people who will really connect with you, will believe with you, will stand with you, will pray for you. That is our promise. But today we're going to begin Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. And today I'm going to be referring to my notes. But first, let's begin. By just reading the entire message of Christ to the church in Smyrna, and we're going to begin Revelation chapter two and verse eight. It says, "Unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, right." Let's pause just for a moment. It says, "Unto the angel." This word "angel," as we saw when we studied Christ's message to Ephesus, is the Greek word "angelos," which describes a specially designated messenger. Really, the word "angel." is poorly translated here. It's really to the designated messenger of Smyrna or it is the pastor of the church. And here we find such an important principle that when Christ has something to say to the church, He never bypasses spiritual authority. If Christ has set a pastor over a church, Christ is not going to bypass the pastor to say something to the church. He's going to make sure the pastor's ears hear it first. If it is a commendation, the pastor will hear it first. If it is a rebuke, the pastor will hear it first. Christ never bypasses spiritual authority. And in this verse, As Christ speaks to the church, the message is first addressed to the angel of the church or to the pastor. I think it's also important to note that angels and pastors are the same thing in this particular context. Your pastor is an angel. Never forget he's heaven sent. He's been sent to provide guidance and direction, and you need to honor him and respect him. In fact, you just need to tell your pastor, you're a real angel. That's what we read now in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. Under the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Was dead in Greek really means was temporarily dead. Here Jesus describes death, His death, as a brief interruption in His eternal existence. Jesus says temporarily It was like a pause in my existence briefly for a very short period. I was dead, but Jesus says, now I am alive. And it was important that Christ began this message to this church with these words because they were suffering. Many of them were dying horrible, tragic deaths at the hands of Roman persecutors. And they were wondering about their future. And Jesus says to them in the very beginning of His message, I am him that was temporarily dead, but hey, I'm alive. And this was a promise of resurrection to those who might have lost their lives for their faith. Then beginning in verse 9, listen to these marvelous words. Jesus says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Then he continues to say, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan." Then in verse 10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. We're going to cover everything in these verses in the next program. And we're going to begin today in verse 9. And in verse 9, Christ says to the church of Smyrna, and again, I'm speaking from my notes, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And really, our theme today is Smyrna, a place of suffering. Let's see what Jesus had to say to this church. He begins in verse 9 by saying, I know. This is from the Greek word oida. The word oida means to see, to perceive, to understand, or fully comprehend. It describes knowledge gained by personal experience or personal observation. If you would remember, in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible tells us Jesus was walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2, confirms this again. Jesus was not just on the exterior of the church looking in, but he actually came into the church. He was walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which were representative of the seven churches, walking among them, observing what was happening in them. And that's why Jesus now says, I know from the Greek word oida. What I know about you, what I perceive, what I comprehend, the knowledge I have about you, I have not attained by secondhand information or because it was related to me in prayer by someone else. I've seen it with my own eyes. What I know about you is based on my own observation. And this must have been so encouraging for them because they were suffering. And yet Jesus uses this word know, the Greek word oide, which means I've been there. I've seen it. I know all about you. I have personal experience with you. I understand. I know everything that you're going through. And Jesus is still saying those words to you today. Jesus knows. He watches you. He observes you. And you may feel abandoned, but you're not. Jesus has been there. Jesus understands. He hasn't just heard about it because of what you've said to him in prayer. Jesus has personally observed everything you were experiencing. That's what Jesus now says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9. I know. I know it because I've seen it with my own eyes. And then he begins to describe what he has seen and what he knows. He says, I know thy works. And the Greek structure is a little bit different. The Greek says, I know the works of you. Now that's very important. Very important. Because Jesus here is being very specific. I know the works of you, your works, your unique works. What makes you different from any of the other churches? I know the works of you that can only be said of you. Jesus was really familiar exactly, particularly with this church. And Jesus said, I know the works of you. The word works is the Greek word erga. The word erga describes deeds, works, total activity. It was the equivalent of saying, I've been to your church. I've walked around you. I've seen this with my own eyes. I know everything about your deeds, your works, all of your activities. I am familiar with all of it. Isn't it amazing? that Jesus knows everything about us. And then Jesus gets more specific. He says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. When we come to the word tribulation, the Greek actually says again, I know the tribulation of you. And it means their tribulation was unique. It was a specific kind of tribulation. They were going through something that none of the other churches were going through. And in fact, this is the only church Jesus describes as going through tribulation. And Jesus says, I know the tribulation, the Greek says, of you. It's particular to you. It is unique to you. You are experiencing something that none of the other churches are experiencing. And the word tribulation is the Greek word thalipsis, which is a favorite word used in Paul's epistles and in John's writings, and the word thalipsis describes any situation that is crushing or debilitating. Any situation that is crushing or debilitating. It describes something that's acute, awful, critical, dire, dreadful, grave, grim, humiliating, or overpowering. And in fact, the very earliest usage of this word, philipsis, here translated tribulation, it was first used to describe the act of torture. Roman authorities would take a man who had been accused of some crime. They would bind him so that he couldn't move and lay him flat on his back. And then they would lower a huge boulder above him. And they would say to him, if you don't recant of your crime, if you don't confess what you've done, we're going to drop this boulder. If he would not recant then they would begin lowering the boulder and lowering the boulder step by step lowering the boulder lower and lower and lower until finally the victim felt the full weight of the boulder pressing against him this is the greek word philipsis then they lowered it again Now he is under such pressure, under such weight, he can't move, he can't breathe, he nearly feels that he is suffocating. And finally, if the victim would not recant of his crime, they would cut the rope. And when they cut the rope, the boulder would completely fall and it would crush the individual. That is where the word thalipsis comes from, here translated tribulation. So when Jesus says, I know your works, First of all, it means I know all about you, all of your activities. There's nothing you're doing that I am not familiar with. And by the way, it hasn't been told to me by an angel or by somebody in prayer. Oida, I know, I've seen it with my own eyes. Jesus, I know about all your works and your tribulation. Now we understand the Greek word, the ellipsis, the debilitating, crushing events that you are going through. This church felt it was nearly being suffocated by the ordeals they were being dragged through. And Jesus says, I know the tribulation of you. It's unique to you. No one else is undergoing what you're undergoing. The other churches don't understand because they're not going through what you're going through. But I understand. I've seen it. I've been there. I know. And then Jesus amplifies what the tribulation is. He says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. And guess what? Once again, the Greek says the poverty of you, your exact level of poverty. It's unique. It's different than the poverty that other people experience. You're going through a level of poverty that is unique. It is extreme. Now in Greek, there are two words for poverty. I'm going to give you both two. The first one is not used in this text. The second one is used, but I want you to understand the difference so you'll understand how extreme was their poverty. The first word for poverty is the Greek word penes, which describes one who has to work for a living, one so poor that he has to earn his bread by daily labor, one only capable of providing a meager income, and in fact, this word penes could even be used to describe a slave's salary. So this was the level that a slave would live at. That's a word for real poverty. And that's bad. But that's not the word used here. The word that is used here when Jesus says, I know your poverty is even worse than that. It's much worse than that. The word that Jesus uses is the Greek word "ptokeo." Wow. This word "ptokeo" describes abject poverty. So when Jesus says, I know the poverty of you, Jesus said, I know your abject poverty, total impoverishment, an appalling and horrifying level of poverty, a person so destitute that he is deprived of the most basic essentials for living. It describes one who may have to scrounge to find enough food to eat or one that is down and out, financially ruined and poverty stricken. That is the word which Jesus now uses to describe the believers in Smyrna. They weren't just poor. There were lots of poor people in the first century, but even slaves made an income. But Jesus is describing a level of poverty that was abject. This was total, complete impoverishment. They were so poor, Jesus uses a word which meant there were times when they were scrounging for food. What in the world happened to these believers? Why? Were they so poor? Well, the word poor, the word poverty, really is an amplification of the word tribulation. Poverty was the greatest tribulation they were going through. Yes, they were physically suffering. Some of them were even being killed. But on a wide scale, all of the Christians in Smyrna were suffering impoverishment. This wasn't just lack, this was total deprivation. They were really suffering financially. Well, what happened to them? Well, let me give you a few things that I think are important. First of all, pagans believed that if you were financially blessed, this was a sign that the pagan gods were pleased with you. If you were poor, they believed it was a sign that you were being punished by the gods for some reason. So if you were poor, you were treated as a social outcast. So first of all, we find the believers were suffering abject poverty, total impoverishment. Secondly, this tells us emphatically they were social outcasts that the pagan community in Smyrna would have looked down on them as if they were individuals that were being punished by the gods for some act that they had done or something they believed that was incorrect. They probably took it as a signal that their faith was wrong. Poor people, cursed people, cursed by the gods. So they were social outcasts. Now, many of the people who came to Christ in the first century were slaves. They were lower class. We read about this in Ephesians 6.5, Colossians 3.22, 1 Peter 6.1, Titus 2.9, 1 Peter 2.18. So slaves were accustomed to living a lower standard of life. But the word that Christ uses in this verse doesn't describe that. It describes something much worse. Jesus' words indicate these believers were experiencing what I call out-of-the-ordinary poverty. Out of the ordinary, poverty. This wasn't just a situation of experiencing lack. It was total deprivation. The view of most scholars is that the word poverty is an amplification of the word tribulation. This is what was really hard for them to bear. They had been plunged into financially dire straits. Why? Well, the situation can be explained pretty easily, actually. In the city of Smyrna, there were trade guilds. And the trade guilds were like workers' unions. And you couldn't get a job if you were not a member of a trade guild. You had to be a part of the union. The whole system worked like a buddy system. If you were part of the trade guild, then it was pretty much guaranteed that you could get a job. If you were not a member of the trade guild, it was almost impossible to get a job. Christians in Smyrna could not retain membership in the trade guilds. They could not. Why? Why? Because in the trade guilds, pagan things took place. Orgies took place. Drunkenness took place. Every trade guild meeting began with a worship of a god. Every trade guild had its own patron god. And so everything about trade guild meetings were contrary to the Christian faith. For them to go to a trade guild meeting, they would have to deny Christ, deny their faith, violate their conscience, and they simply couldn't do it. So they backed out of the trade guilds, or if they refused to attend, their membership was canceled. And because of their refusal to participate in the world and in the world system, they lost their jobs and had no ability to get a job. They were suffering. Why? Because they decided to remain faithful to their faith and to their conscience. You may be suffering because of your faith or because of your conscience. If you're going through a hard time because of that, then you're doing right. And we're out of time. But when we come back in the next program, we're going to see what Jesus had else to say about this issue of suffering. It's going to be powerful. And when I come back, I'm going to pray for you. The Bible comes to
1: life like never before with Rick Renner's book, A Light in Darkness. Step into the world of the New Testament as Rick Renner transports you to the ancient cities of the early church, revealing the relevance of Jesus' messages to the church then and why those messages still resonate for His church today. On every page of this comprehensive commentary, RICK REVEALS INSIGHT INTO THE ANCIENT WORLD AND THE DISTURBING REALITIES THE EARLY BELIEVERS FACED AS THE CHURCH BEGAN TO FLOURISH IN A PAGAN WORLD. WITH UNSURPASSED DETAIL, FASCINATING INSIGHTS AND HISTORICAL CONTEXT, YOU'LL HAVE A GREATER APPRECIATION AND UNDERSTANDING OF SCRIPTURE AND HOW YOU SHOULD INTERPRET IT FOR TODAY. THIS BEAUTIFULLY BOUND 800-PAGE FULL COLOR BIBLICAL RESOURCE CAN BE YOURS FOR $80. Features on-location photography with added artwork and illustrations to enhance the in-depth scriptural teaching that makes the New Testament come alive. When you call or go online today, you can also get the five-part teaching series, Christ's Message to the Church in Smyrna. As one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the church in Smyrna suffered great persecution, but Jesus encouraged them to overcome. Available in digital or physical format, starting at just $10, Rick explores this essential message of how to overcome suffering and persecution and learn to trust in God's final plan. Don't miss this special offer, A Light in Darkness and Christ's Message to the Church in Smyrna. Call now or go to renner.org to order.
0: Hey friends, Denise and I are coming to an area near you very soon. On Sunday, July 31st, we're coming to Covenant Church to be with Jesse and Kathy Duplantis at Destrehan, Louisiana. On Sunday, August the 7th, we're coming to Victory Church to be with Pastor Jeanette Furry in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. On Sunday, August 14th, we're gonna be at Radiant Church with Pastor Lee Cummings in Richland, Michigan. On Sunday, August 21st, we're going to be at Liberty Church in Fairfield, California with Pastor Richard West. On Thursday, August 25th, we're coming to River of Life Fellowship in Seaside, Oregon to be with Pastors Tolbert and Mary Jo Lovelady. On Sunday, August 28th, we're coming to Spokane Christian Center in Spokane, Washington with Pastor Rick Sharkey. On Sunday, September 4th, we're coming to Faith Family Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota to be with Pastors Michael and Vicki Bang. And on Sunday, September the 11th, we're coming to Madison, Alabama to Cornerstone Word of Life to be with Pastor Mark Garver. Please check our website for the most recent updates and information about these wonderful meetings. Every once in a while in life we have to make decisions that puts us at odds with the world or with the opinions of other people. Maybe we just can't do what they're asking us to do. Or our conscience won't allow us to behave like other people. And because of that we have to take a position that we're going to live different, think different, do different. And many times we suffer persecution or rejection simply because we're trying to be faithful to our own hearts. That is what was happening to the church in Smyrna. They were being persecuted and suffering tribulation because they refused to behave like the pagans that were around them. But they were called to do what was right, regardless of the price they had to pay. Wow. And Christ is calling you to do the thing that is right. Even if it is the hard thing to do, you're called to do the right thing. We're going to continue talking about this in the next program. But I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Smyrna, a five-part series based on these programs with a wonderful study guide with all the Greek words and the definitions, the points, and the principles. It is so good. Wow. really want you to get it. And we're also offering you my book called A Light in Darkness, Seven Messages to the Seven Churches, more than 800 pages, full color. It is just an amazing book. You'll use it over and over again I really want you to order your copy today. But let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every believer who has taken a stand for Jesus Christ. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to energize them, to fill them with strength to endure even against the opinions of people that don't understand. And give them victory. Give them joy in believing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the
1: gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the word of God we invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.